Hi, I'm Amanda Hepper. Welcome to MedCurity Life. I'm April Needham. We are very glad that you're joining us today. We thought we would talk about a topic that leverages what we talked about last time, which was disaster recovery. And so this week, I'm going to be asking April some questions about emergency preparedness and the rule associated with that. So I understand that CMS issued the emergency preparedness rule in November of 2016. Can you tell us when that went into effect and who is impacted by that? Sure, yeah. So that rule went into effect in November of 2017. So we're coming up on the three-year anniversary of that excuse me, November 2016, and organizations that are impacted had the opportunity to comply within a year, so November of 2017 is when the compliance needed to occur um, with that rule. And so uh, we're a couple of years in now, so everybody hopefully should be complying and having their emergency preparedness plan in place. Um, There are a couple of different types of penalties that organizations could incur if they're not in compliance and that um, those could be financial penalties as well as just suspension of being able to participate in the Medicare Medicaid programs so no longer being able to serve patients that participate in those programs. So a very relevant topic and very important that people are complying with this rule. Correct. Mm-hmm. So can you tell us about the more about the purpose and the types of facilities that need to comply with this? Sure, sure. So um, basically this rule was set out to ensure that any uh, Medicare, Medicaid provider uh, of any type would have an emergency preparedness plan in place. And that enables them to then ensure that they can continue to um, operate uh, through any sort of disaster and serve their patients. And okay. so it's really important that they you know, maintain those operations, continue to serve their patients during major catastrophes. and it really does impact any organization that is serving Medicare, Medicaid patients. So that could be hospitals, it could be uh, critical care hospitals, long-term care facilities, hospice organizations, a number of practices, a number of different types of organizations. Okay, great. What types of emergencies would fall under this rule? Sure, so this is really meant to prepare organizations for any man-made or uh, natural disasters that might occur. Um, So those could be floods, hurricanes, tornadoes, anything that uh, might occur naturally, and then the man-made disasters, so anything uh, like maybe an epidemic, you know, Mm -hmm. an illness outbreak, or um, the release of a biological agent, or something, um, really anything um, that could be very critical to either their organization internally or to the community at large. So for instance, like the norovirus, if a lot of people are calling in sick and there's a lot, an influx of patients with that, Mm -hmm. that would be? That could be, uh, yeah, a prime example. And so what what that's referred to is a patient surge, right? So you've got an increase of patients coming into your organization because of this disaster. So how are you gonna prepare for an influx of you know, patients while your staff may be greatly diminished right, during that time right. too, right? Yeah, so, exactly. Okay. Exactly. It seems like we hear a lot about business continuity as well. Can mm-hmm. you explain the difference between business continuity and emergency preparedness? Sure. So um, those two terms really do go hand in hand, and I think of it as emergency preparedness really is protecting the people, and then business continuity is ensuring that your critical operations 
maintain their course in the event of a disaster. So really those two come together when we do have disasters, they come together, you know, really right after that disaster occurs. So in the midst of the storm, mm. you're putting both of these processes into place. Right, so they do go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. they okay. Do. But it might be a different plan for each piece of that. Exactly, exactly, yeah, different okay. focuses. What are some ways that organizations can become prepared for emergency preparedness? So there are several key actions that organizations can take to uh, comply with the rule and be prepared in the event of a disaster. And so uh, the primary one being, as the rule indicates, you have to have your emergency preparedness program in place. Okay. And so that really is, um, there are four key elements basically to any strong emergency preparedness program. That being risk assessment and planning, uh, so similar to what MedCurity does for HIPAA compliance, mm -hmm. you've got what they call a, a vulnerability, a hazard vulnerability analysis that you're going to do as part of that risk assessment and planning piece. Um, then you'll also have a communication plan in place as part of that program, so people know who they're communicating with, how they're communicating, um, all of those critical pieces. The third step in putting together your plan is developing those policies and procedures, making sure that they're documented so in the event of an emergency, people can at least have something to refer back to should they need to. And then uh, training and testing. So again, it's really important to have the plan in place, but it's even more critical to make sure you're training your people on the plan and testing them periodically throughout the year to make sure that they know how to behave when uh, an event occurs. That totally makes sense. So when you're performing a test, they need to know where those policies are, right? And so it's probably best, what's the best format to have those policies in? Really, you wanna make sure, I think, you know, it's great to have them on the cloud or online so that they're mm -hmm. easily accessible from anywhere because any disaster might impact your facility. So you might not be right. able to physically be present at your facility. And if you have them in a binder on the shelf, they're mm -hmm. not going to do you any good. So making sure that they're on the cloud and, and easily accessible from anywhere is a really key part of that. So that'd be a great part of the test. Yes, what you're yes saying. exactly, yes, yeah. And there are different ways to test. So, you know, I have background in a utility, in the utility industry, and we did several different types of training mm -hmm. um, testing exercises. So there might be a tabletop exercise, for example, where you bring in um, a cross-functional team and you provide them with a scenario, and they talk through what they would do in the event of that scenario. So that really allows your team to kind of come face-to-face -face with what might happen, think through how they're going to handle it, and really identify some gaps early on uh, for what you might need to do to enhance your plan. There's also functional exercises so that are more comprehensive. So you might bring not just your organization, but maybe that is also our first responders, other key people um, that might be involved if the situation is outside of the organization and uh, focused on the community. Think about the different types of testing you can do on your plan and then also I think it's really important for our organizations to partner with other local providers mm. so that they that just really ensures that maybe they have access to critical pieces if their facility is impacted yet another neighboring facility isn't maybe they can have an agreement where they can go then serve their patients from the other facility um, just enabling them again to continue operations during any sort of disaster that might impact their facility um, and thirdly there is I think about a dozen healthcare coalitions across the nation and uh, so I would encourage organizations to join their local healthcare coalition mm -hmm. and that 
also probably um, offers the opportunity to participate in community-wide exercises. So again, kind of test not only what they're doing internally, but how that can tie into a community-wide event. And uh, it gives a great opportunity to learn how other people are handling these situations and developing their plans. When you were talking about some of the different scenarios, it made me think about, for instance, a hospice organization and maybe having to transfer patients to another, to a shelter, right? And so part of the plan would be determining your different types of patients, how you move them to the new location, having that in advance, know who that's going to be in advance so that those relationships with other organizations is really important and first responders as you were mentioning. And then what do you do with your meds? You have to keep your meds locked up, right? right. So what's the plan for that? So all of those fine minutiae details, yeah. mm -hmm. if they're planned in advance, documented like you were saying in mm -hmm. online policies, everybody knows what to do in the event that this occurs, right? right? Yeah, so doing the drills and the tests, all of that, a lot of that can kind of fall out, you know, in place, and then you can see what you need to do next, how to update your plan, so it's, it's iterative, it's an iterative plan. Exactly. And then to learn from the others in the community how they're doing things. Exactly, yeah, and part of the requirement for this uh, rule is that these organizations are going back every year, reviewing, mm. testing, and reiterating, you know, or um, iterating on their plan, so just improving it every year, but making sure that it's current, documented, tested, so every year. Mm -hmm. Nice, mm -hmm. that totally makes sense. Are there other types of issues that be, should be considered in making your emergency preparedness plan? Really, you'll, you'll just wanna make sure that you're thinking about any sort of critical business function that could be impacted, right? And so, okay. um, as you're going through your planning process, you'll think about supply chain. You know, could your supply chain be disrupted and what would you do in that case? How you're gonna protect patient records, right? How you're gonna protect those and still have mm -hmm. access to them during the crisis? Sheltering protocol, there's so many things to think about. Do organizations get a waiver from HIPAA during an emergency? Great question. Um, every organization is still required to comply with HIPAA during any sort of emergency. There have been some cases and it's possible that a waiver might be issued in certain situations. Um, a couple of things have to occur for those waivers to be issued. One is the president has to declare an emergency. Of the in United it, States. Yes, the president of the, US, okay. yeah, the country. Uh, so. Uh, president has to declare the emergency and then also the secretary of the human health human and health services department has to declare a health emergency a public health emergency if those two things occur then that secretary may issue a waiver um, that waives certain provisions okay but the waiver is also very limited so it's going to be limited to the specific area um, and the specific time period identified in that declaration okay. And then additionally, it's only hospitals that have a disaster protocol identified and initiated are okay. eligible for that waiver. Okay. And to take it a step further, that waiver is only good for up to 72 hours um, after that protocol has been initiated. Okay, so it's very, so very finite limited. and limited. Very limited. And um, I think the most recent occurrence of this happening was this July, this past July, a waiver was initiated for Louisiana when we had Tropical Storm Barry down there. So how would people find out more about the rule? 
Sure. So I would say if you're looking to learn more about the emergency preparedness rule, go straight to CMS.gov. That is the organization, um, the entity that's responsible for implementing the rule. So CMS.gov is a great resource. And CMS is uh, Centers for Medicaid and Medicare Services. Yep. I don't think we mentioned that. Good job. And then also Google search. So. Google's lovely, right? Google search emergency <laughs> preparedness rule, and you'll uh, find some good information that way. And then always like reach out to us. We're happy to answer any questions, uh, provide additional information, and you can reach us at support at medcurity.com. Wow, that was great information, April. Thank you thank so you. much for sharing all of this with us. Mm -hmm. We want to thank you for joining us for this MedCurity Live. Um, we'll be at a couple of conferences next week and we will be doing some of our live from these conferences. So please join us again.